This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Hello, and welcome to Flourish with me, Tiffany Boyd. This is a podcast where we explore what it means to live with intention. I'm a mom to three beautiful boys, a wife, a friend, an entrepreneur, and so many other things. When my dad passed, I made a commitment to myself to live with intention. For years afterwards, I struggled with discovering what that meant. I felt uncomfortable giving myself permission or even figuring out how to honor that. What I do know and believe is that where attention goes, energy flows. This show will explore what it means to live with intention, seek to inspire you, and bring practical tools through stories and interviews that you can use to change your own life. Thank you for joining me and this wonderful community of women as we raise our vibration, honor ourselves, and live intentionally. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Flourish Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to live with intention. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I just have to say, full disclaimer, Mercury goes into retrograde, I believe, on January 13th. Uh, For those of you that don't follow astrology, what that typically means is that there is interruptions and complications and challenges with technology. Um, That is one of the things that we often experience in a Mercury retrograde period. And the time leading up to is called the shadow period. And if this shadow period is any indication of what to expect when Mercury actually goes into retrograde, I am bracing myself. I have had quite the morning and quite the last few days. If you can hear a printer in the background, apologies, it's nearly done, but it is a near miracle that it is working. Uh, I just tried to record the podcast in another room on my laptop, and after about seven failed attempts, Uh, and one of them I spoke for a really long time, not realizing it wasn't recording. I have resigned myself to coming out here, and we are just going to do the best we can with what we have. So here we are, and what are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about um, systems and structures and tips for how I create space in my life and how I maintain my sanity. And before we dive into some of those, what I would like to share as a full disclaimer is that I am just a normal person like anybody else. And there are some things where, you know, I have established through trial and error, various systems that have, you know, stood the test of time and are effective for my family and potentially might be something that you could use and or adopt to work for you that might also help you to create some more mental space, some more time freedom. Um, And these are very practical things. And that being said, the caveat is I am a normal person. I don't have my shit together all of the time. I am the furthest thing from perfect. And there's lots that I need to improve upon 
and I seek out similar resources to do that improvement. And even the things that I do do, you know, I'm not consistent with all of the time. I continually need to invest the energy to be intentional about creating the space and time freedom that I want in my life. So I'm just going to go through a few things that I do that work for us. And for those of you that don't know, I have three boys. Um, My oldest just turned eight on Christmas, a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and of course my husband. And we don't have a lot of external support, almost none. And so when it comes to managing our life, it really comes down to us. And we live in Northern Canada, which means that we experience all of the seasons and we also live out of town. So we have a lot of property to maintain. And so our life ends up being fairly full. We have laying hens that we care for uh, and collect eggs from, and we heat with wood, which means that we also, of course, need to ensure that there is enough wood. We've got three dogs that need exercise and care. And we also have to do things like mow the lawn and plow the driveway and shovel and all of the sorts of things that everybody has. Um, And then just add in that we are both entrepreneurs and life quickly becomes very full. And I think that's something that everybody can relate to is that without trying, life fills up so quickly. And I think one of the things that I would start with is saying that designing how you want that fullness to look like and feel and be is really important. And I think COVID was a really great opportunity for us to examine what things we were doing that serve us and what things we were doing that didn't serve us. And one of the main Um, learnings that I obtained through that with the kids in particular is that sometimes less is more. Life is busy enough as it is and this is just for us personally and it may not work for other families but we've actually pulled back on the number of um, organized um, activities that we do And part of that is driven by the kids. You know, um, I think I held this philosophy that I wanted to expose them to as much as possible and have them involved in, in as much as possible. And it always felt like we were in a rat race, you know, particularly when I was working a corporate job and I was trying to manage the after school and getting the gear and getting to the event and making sure everybody ate and where do you fit in the groceries and all of those sorts of things. And so we really sat down and reflected like, what do we really want to do? What is adding to our bucket when we choose to do it? Because it's worth the investment. And then how do we structure around to create success? So we're not, you know, creating so much chaos in our life that the benefit we receive is, you know, more or less neutralized. Um, by participating. And so we have pulled back substantially and we've created space to just be. So now in terms of household, and this is where I get really passionate and next week I'm actually recording um, with a guest who I cannot wait to share with the audience. Um, It's a professional organizer and um, declutter expert. And so we're going to learn a lot more from an expert in the near future. 
um, on some of these tips in particular. But one of the things that I believe is that your physical space is an extension of your mental space. So when there is chaos in your physical space, it's usually a very good representation of your mental space. And one of the really beautiful things about that is sometimes your mental space is harder to clean up, but it is, although perhaps emotionally challenging from a physical perspective, anyone can go and create more organization and declutter and um, just general space organization in their physical spaces. And it's a way to take back control immediately. And in doing so, you create more mental space. And I believe this very strongly. And so some of the things that I have done in our life fall into a fairly consistent approach. I believe when you have a consistent structure and system for things and you apply it consistently, you remove the mental burden of figuring something out over and over and over again. And so I have started to add more structures and systems into our life. I didn't do it all at once. I continue to add them. I continue to refine them. Sometimes they you know, fall off and I bring them back or I improve them. But the more that I do this, the better and our lives are becoming, the easier and the more mental mental freedom and time freedom I have. So I'm going to go through a few of them. And these are things that I would say everybody experiences, you know what they are. Those, In terms of deciding where you're going to target first, you need to look at sort of those high traffic areas or those high frequency things, those touch points that you have a lot of. For example, things like gear. Uh, if you live in a Northern climate, you have a ton of gear. And basically, if you live anywhere, when you're transitioning in and out of the house, if there's something that you do, like if it's running or you need a jacket or shoes or those sorts of things, having a consistent consistent structure and system for gear makes everything easier because there's nothing worse than trying to find your shoes or trying to find a missing mitt or everything getting dumped in front of the door when you walk in. And so figuring out what that system looks like, and generally you want to group similar things together. So I'm just going to give the example with my family. What I did, and I improved the system this year, I used to have a bin for each of the kids for their hats, mitts, and gloves, but they got really disorganized and it was hard for them to sort things. And so this year I ended up creating a hat bin, a mitt bin, um, and a balaclava bin, and they when they come in the door, know that their hats all go in a similar bin, in the same bin, their mitts go in a bin, and their balaclavas go in a bin. And that's their responsibility, and it's at their height. I still have to remind them almost every single day. And at first, there was a significant amount of resistance, and now there is little to no resistance because I've been very consistent. And it's really easy for everybody to understand how it works, and it also means when it's time to go, it's really easy to find what we need. So that's just a very basic example. With their gear, their snowsuits, their jackets, their vests, all of those sorts of things, because we don't yet have our boot room built, our entryway closet is where most of that is stored. And what I do every season is I actually rotate through what things we have in that closet. So in the winter, I take out some of our summer stuff, our lighter jackets, and I put our 
um, our winter stuff in. And I keep a uh, clothing rack in our basement where I can rotate so I can create space. I only have to do this about once or twice a year, so really it's a 20-minute effort, but it makes a huge difference because then I have enough space to store things well. And this is something I do with all clothing, but I'll start first with the entryway. Because they can't reach, I will hang everything for them, but their responsibility when they come in is to bring it to me. I have organized the closet so that there is a spot for everything. This again helps it so that there's space to put things in, it's organized, I'm not looking all over, and it's a very basic system. One half is kid stuff, one half is grown-up stuff. And I just consistently zipper everything as I hang it up because it creates more space, and then I have created categories, and it's based on height so that it works well. So at the far end of the closet, closest to the wall, I have the longest thing, so I've got snow pants. Then I've got snow suits, so the one-piece snow suits. Following that, I have jackets and finally vests. And so it's really easy for me to grab something and hang it up exactly where it goes. And it's way more efficient. Everything fits. I know exactly where to find things. I set it up once, wasn't a big deal, very simple. On my side, mine and my husband's side, I've simply divided things very similarly. His is at the back, mine's at the front near the middle because my stuff is generally smaller. I have vests and jackets. And then with his vest, jackets, and his one piece or snow pants. And I just, to create space, fold my snow pants when I hang them. So that's a really basic thing, but it's amazing because we are coming in and out of the house sometimes multiple times a day that I do not have to think about how I'm managing these things. And everybody knows where things go and I'm not wasting time trying to find something. So very simple yet very profound. I'm just gonna keep on the clothing theme. With the kids and their clothes, we are moving towards them taking more responsibility for putting their clothes away. So setting up a system that worked consistently for them, but also for me, was critical. And so it's pretty similar. I have created a rack where their clothes hang for each of the boys for all of their shirts because I find that when you hang more things up, it is easier to find them. And in particular, shirts are hard to fold and they're hard to see in a drawer. And I have simply organized that so it goes from lightest to heaviest and then dress. So their t-shirts sit at the far left, long sleeve shirts come after that, hoodies and sweaters come after that, and any of their nice dress shirts or really nice sweaters that have been knit for them are at the very back because they're used the least frequently. But then when they're putting things away, they know exactly what part of their closet on that single rack to put things. And when they get dressed, they know they take one t-shirt or a long sleeve plus a sweater and they know where to find it because I also like them to get dressed independently. They each have a spot for their pants. Those are folded. They just have to be folded over once and they have a spot where those goes. And then they share a drawer for underwear and socks because they're basically wearing all the same underwear and socks. And so it's, again, a very simple, simple system, but creates so much structure and consistency and ease and time freedom in our lives. With mine and my husband's clothing, it's a little bit more complicated, mostly because my clothes are a little bit more complicated. But what I will share is that I do categorize things. 
So I have, and this is just every closet, it's going to be a little bit different, and I'm sure most of you have a system that works, so I won't go into a lot of detail here, but I have a drawer for workout clothes, and I organize that by pants, long sleeve, and tank tops. I have a drawer for sports bras, a drawer for all of the things. But within my closet where I hang things, I have two racks. One rack is more of my casual, and one is more of my... Um, I would say nicer clothes or business casual things and I hang things according to color so I start with black and I move across to gray to dark blues to browns to orange and um, no, sorry to red pink orange yellow white and so aesthetically it looks very nice it's also very easy for me to know where i slot something in and it's really easy for me to find something because i know i'm looking for my yellow hoodie or i know i'm looking for whatever and i think color is one of the easiest ways to identify what you're looking for so in that case that's what i do i don't hang sweaters for the most part because they do better in a drawer and because i have so much of everything else hung i can get it, dedicate drawers to sweaters and i use the um oh goodness what's her name that brilliant woman who is the organizer who has the show you know the one i'm having a moment um anyway she folds things in a vertical way and so you um, can see them straight back into the drawer and I do the same thing with all of my tank tops and all of my sweaters and I do the same thing with jeans and dress pants and again I organize my dress pants and my sweaters by color in the drawer uh, and right now I need to do my closet over again because over time it you know unless you're doing a really good job of maintaining it it will slip a bit as you're taking clothes out and putting them back in but I know exactly where to find anything all of the time and it saves me a significant amount of time getting ready in the morning. I, so that's, that's our clothes system. Now in terms of housework and house cleaning, I want to say that I do have a cleaner. That doesn't mean that I don't clean every day, but this is a good example of a space where I had a mental block and where I needed to look at what is within my personal code, where do I want to invest my time and energy and what is draining me and what is the highest leverage action that I can take. And the reality is that I'm not somebody who can live in a house that isn't clean and I recognize that and I do not judge anyone that can't. In fact, I admire them because I think it's somebody who is prioritizing the most important thing. And what would happen with me is the most important thing would fall off the priority list because I couldn't function when my house wasn't clean. I just, my mind is not clear when the house is not clean. I'm getting a little bit better, but that's a reality. And so knowing that I already invest so much time on a daily basis, just maintaining the house with three kids, in terms of picking up and daily cleaning and dishes and cooking and three dogs and you know there's a certain amount of vacuuming that the deep clean that is very important i have outsourced and knowing where you can create more space to create more productivity or to create more freedom for yourself is important and it might not be cleaning for you, it might be something else, but this is just an example of what that looks like for me. And so we have a cleaner come once a week and it's the same day 
every week. And so then I structure the other things in my life around that day. So in my case, they come Wednesday, although not today because it's too cold for them to start their car. Um, So Tuesdays is my pickup day, and I recommend that everybody have a formal pickup day in their life. That's the day where you go around your entire house and you declutter all of those things that end up sort of on your counters or kids have left around and I'm picking up every day, but there's the things you aren't getting to. There's the random markers that are out, the random mail that's out, the, you know, toys, the blankets that didn't get folded and put away. I will look to see if that is, and actually I do use this. Um, I will collect all of the towels and the bath mats and after the cleaners have come and they've used the cloths, I do a sanitized cycle for my towels. So I know those are getting done once a week. And so I structure everything in such a way that there's a day for everything to happen. And so there's sort of my, my, my high touch point things where it's the in and out and the things that you want to have a system for because you're going to use them frequently, like your clothes. And then there's the weekly schedule where it's, these are the things that need to get done every week. And if every week you're wasting the energy of like deciding when and how you are wasting a tremendous amount of mental capacity that you wouldn't need to use if you just set up a system, a consistent system and some structure. So just pick up, pick a day. It's your pickup day and do it, whether you have a cleaner or not, if you're going to clean after, it's still very helpful. Everything gets put away. And if you have systems and structures, that's the day that you make sure that everything's kind of organized as, as you need it. If things need a little revamping, you know, I might look in the closet in our entryway closet. And if things are getting a little out of joint, I will quickly bring that back to center. And it's, you know, a two minute effort versus letting it go for six months and coming back and having a massive effort that becomes so overwhelming. And that's part of it is that you can't let things build up. You need to be consistent. You need to take the 30 seconds now versus the three hours later and all of the mental anguish of, you know, building yourself up to deal with it. Um, So that's my pickup day. And I similarly structure my laundry cycle. So bedding is done a certain day each week. And then I do the boys' clothes as they need it um, because it needs to be a little bit more frequently, but it's not overwhelming because I can just fit it in. And then I do um, my husband's and my clothes once a week, but I have three baskets in our closet. And we don't always do this perfectly, but when I go to do laundry, I sort just into blacks, colors, and whites. And ideally, I try to also have him and I put our clothes in those baskets in that way. So it just makes it a little bit easier when it's time to do the laundry. Now, food, meal prep, organization of that sort of thing. I am continually refining my approach to this. And an area that I would like to improve is my meal planning. But what I recommend is that you have a day every week that's your grocery shop day, and most of us have that. And if you have some idea of the meals that you can prepare for the week and go in and get the ingredients, you know, and be prepared, if you can do this, you can probably do it, and some of you probably do do it better than me. Um, sometimes, especially with all the food shortages, like you just are going to have to be prepared to pivot. But the idea of not having to be at the grocery store multiple times 
is amazing. And the idea of not having to figure out what you're going to make every day, also amazing. And so generally speaking, I know there's basic things that work for lunches. I always pick those up. I grocery shop Monday mornings. Um, and I always just make sure Sundays that I've got typically leftovers at minimum. So when I cook, when I prepare my meal planning for the week, I think about Sunday as something as a bigger meal and something I can use as leftover for lunches because I know I'm grocery shopping Monday and I don't like to go on the weekends. So Mondays I grocery shop, I've kind of got my default lunch stuff and I have organized my cupboards in such a way that there is an easy spot for everything to go. And when I grocery shop, I actually come home. I always make sure the kitchen is clean. If it isn't, before I take my groceries out, I clean the kitchen because then I have mental space for taking groceries out and putting them away away effectively so that they'll be easy to use and it will create so much more structure and freedom throughout the week. So the kitchen's clean. I will actually take all of my groceries out on our island so that I can see them. And then I start to systematically put them away. I also use this time as a quick opportunity to quickly bleach my fridge anywhere that looks a little bit dirty. It's not a deep clean, but it allows my fridge to stay relatively clean. And I have actually gone so far this past year to actually purchase organizers for my fridge. This allows me to see my food. So I'm really trying to reduce food waste. It also keeps things cleaner and and it allows me to organize things systematically into the fridge. When I purchase to fill all of them, they're kind of the basic things that we need. On my bottom shelf, I've got layered two deep uh, veggie holders. And when I have those full straight across, I think it's eight of them, I will have enough variety of vegetables and enough vegetables to get through a week. And again, because of food shortages, you don't know what you're going to have. So I know if I can fill those, I can figure out recipes that will work with that. And at least I know that we're getting enough vegetables, which is another thing that takes some mental load away for me. So that's veggies. I have a um, shelf where I do meats and cheeses, and I've got vertical organizers, one that I keep my cheese in and another other ones that I have lunch meats and pepperoni sticks and those sorts of things. I have um, an organizer for me personally for hemp and for flax because it's something I use regularly. I will admit um, that I have a full organizer for whipped cream because that is one of the things that brings me tremendous joy on a daily basis. So that's pretty important in my life. Um, And then I have space in the, um, the actual door of the fridge for my sauces. They're organized as well. Uh, one for my lemon and lime juice, one for condiments. On the bottom, I keep my, you know, my oat milks and I can visually see everything's got a spot. I have a small section on one shelf where it is open and that's where I will put if I'm buying meats for the week that obviously I don't want to necessarily put in an organizer that I've got a dedicated space for that. And I also use that space to store leftovers. So it's a dedicated space that doesn't have anything assigned because there will be things that you need to add there. So again, every fridge is built differently. What your family eats is going to be a little bit different but having a space and i'm noticing now as my kids are getting older they're preparing their own snacks and they have an interest of being in being in the kitchen and because you know i might have a little bit of ocd but i'm terribly ineffective um 
at keeping things as clean as I want because there just isn't enough time. One of the things that's maintained my sanity is creating structure. So it's easy for everybody to be consistent so they can easily find what they need to eat. I also keep a little, um, it's a pullout drawer where I've got cheese, um, strings for them. So it's more focused towards the kids and a spot where I will keep things like juice boxes. So specific snacks that are easy to grab for the kids, um, or yogurts, those sorts of things being mindful that I want to encourage them to have a healthy snack. So making it available and easy to access is also helpful. Then of course I've got a spot for fruit and those sorts of things, uh, stuff that I refrigerate like apples and, or on the counter next to the fridge, my fresh fruit, which I can see. I also have a drawer where I keep um, snacks for kids. It's things like squeeze packs, granola bars, um, those sorts of things that you quickly need to access to put in a lunch kit. It's all there organized by category. And when the kids want something um, quickly, they know where to go. And again, it's all organized. And when I'm putting my groceries away, I actually don't put boxes of things away. I will open the boxes and organize it into the drawer. So it takes a little bit more time. I don't keep things in the grocery bags. I sort them into my bins. But once I'm done that, and it usually takes about 30 to 40 minutes to put my groceries away, the rest of the week is really simple. I can, if I haven't meal prepped because I can see what I have, it's easier for me to come up with a meal. It's easier for the kids to access food. And if I'm running low, it's really visually easy to see. Um, and it's allowed me to also grocery shop kind of knowing consistently what I need. So that's just the, um, my grocery food organization. The rest of the kitchen is similarly organized by category. I've got a baking drawer. I've got a canned goods section. I have also minimized the number of kitchen utensils and things that I use. This is something that I probably need to go through once a year. At one point I had two knife blocks and I realized how ridiculous that was. And I reduced to three knives, the three that I needed the most. I think that slowly crept up. Um, but it was so freeing for me not to have a thousand knives to choose from and much easier to store. There's almost no clutter in my kitchen. Uh, there is some, but it just allows a much more enjoyable space for me to work in with a lot less mental exhaustion for me to do that work in. So that is the organization that I have for the kitchen and for food and for food planning, meal prep. Um, in terms of my kids' stuff, that's something else that I am continually mindful about trying to create systems for. We don't have a lot of clutter in our home. Um, please don't have a pristine image of my house. I assure you it gets, it becomes a disaster and gets put back together on a regular basis. But I have categorized the sorts of things that I know that they want to access. So crafts is something they're very interested in. And so I purchased a craft cart and I create, I then I've been refining this, but I realized there's, you know, things that they're going to need to access and bring to where they're working. So I have little totes, one that is just for pencil crayons and just the pencil crayons goes back there. I have one that has markers, one that has crayons. I have a section for coloring books. I have a section for paper. 
Um, and then I've got a spot for things like pencil sharpeners and erasers. And it is an effort because they will mix these things up. So I have to be consistent and holding the expectation that things go back to where they go. Occasionally, more often than I'd like to admit, that means that I'm reorganizing them. But in doing so, we always have what we need to do the sorts of crafts that we'd like to do. For other sorts of crafts, I purchased a larger tote for things like glue uh, and paint, things that I don't necessarily want the kids getting out on their own. And there's a consistent spot where all of those things go. And I should say that this is one of my overarching strategies is that instead of having things spread around the house, I, even if I don't have time to organize, one of the things that I've found tremendously helpful is put like things with like, put all of your craft supplies in one location, put all of your specific types of food that are similar in one location, have a specific spot for your clothing. You know, it's all of those sorts of things where you just don't want to have them spread all over the place. Um, as they were engaged in the game and they did actually enjoy how it tasted. It just seems to be a mental block sometimes, or I'm not sure they're distracted by other things or things that they want to go do, but because we've satisfied that part of them that is stimulated and engaged and it creates some really nice family time, they stay at the table longer. So it's just something that might work. We have tried timers. I've also tried, <laughs> I really don't know how I feel about this um, because I really feel like it's akin to Pavlov's dog um, the in terms of reward uh, theory and psychology, but my dad did this and it was effective with my brother and I, and my kids seemed to like it. But again, I'm not really sure where I land with it, but he had a jelly bean jar and he would have jelly beans in the center of the table and we would talk about what table manners are and when someone would demonstrate a great table manner a jelly bean would be placed in front of their plate their plate and when somebody would demonstrate something that wasn't polite a jelly bean would be removed from the number of jelly beans that they'd received and go back into the jar and uh, my kids love it and you know they end up earning about four or five jelly beans a meal perhaps and it's highly effective but I'm not sure where I land around if it's the right way to do things or not. So I'm that that's you know that may work. You may just be absolutely repulsed by that idea. I'm sure that there's going to be things on all ends of the spectrum. Um, other things that I am working towards um, with the kids having three boys, their bathroom is often really quite gross. Um, and so I am working with them to be responsible for keeping it clean. And I have found it takes more energy at the beginning to engage them in the cleaning. I'm not sure when that's going to stop, but I think the message and the sense of responsibility is important for the effort. And so they clean the toilet, even though we have a cleaner, it still needs to be cleaned more than once a week. And I feel like they need to be connected and responsible for it. And I've noticed a change in their behavior in the bathroom around being accountable and responsible for keeping it cleaner. The other thing I've done is they each have a colored towel um, that they use consistently. It's hung next to the bath and in the bathroom, I've also organized things in bins um, based on 
whose items they are and what they need. So I've got, you know, a bin with kids stuff and it's got the things that I might need access to, like their soap, the bubbles, vapor rub, um, extra, I've got a space for extra bath toys so that I can remove them and have a completely empty bath and shower so that it's easy to clean. So creating a strict stu- structure and system so that there is a space for those sorts of things has been really helpful. Uh, there's a bin for my husband. There's a bin for, you know, when we're purchasing extra things where they go. So um, I maintain a space for extra hand soap, dish soap, and cleaning products. I've also categorized my cleaning products. I'm really feeling a bit neurotic right now as we're going through this. <laughs> I'm not going to lie under the sink. So according to what they do, so I've got, you know, things that relate specifically to the kitchen group together, things that relate to the bathroom group together, uh, multi-purpose group together, things like wood cleaners group together. And so it's easy to access what I need. And when I'm getting low, it's very obvious. So again, this is all just system structures and consistency, and everyone's going to have a different way of setting this up because every family is different. Um, Your level of neurosis might be different than mine, hopefully. And so I'm just sharing a few things. Uh, When I asked friends, I had a couple podcast ideas that I wanted to share today, and I asked, you know, what, what would you feel like listening to? And they said the tips and tricks for maintaining your sanity. Um, I'm not sure if this is what they were expecting. And they automatically assumed it was probably some form of magic. (laughs) And I wish it was, but unfortunately it's not. Uh, And then, uh, or eight cups of coffee, which is true. Um, But I'm not recommending that. And now, so those are just kind of like the household high touch point things, but I want to just talk a little bit more generally about some of the things that I do in terms of mindset and being intentional. So I am working on adding more micro habits into my day. And again, this isn't something that happened overnight. This is an intentional effort over many, many years. And I didn't get here, you know, deciding last week and I didn't do it all at once. But I recognize that as my family is one of my greatest priorities and they are also potentially one of the greatest sources of drain of my energy, that maintaining my personal well-being and energy then becomes a tremendous responsibility if I want to show up the way I want to show up. And so being intentional in who I want to be and how I want to be is something that I take very seriously. And I believe that starts with how you start your morning. And this is somewhere where I would like to improve. And I am working right now to build the habit of getting up at 5 a.m. and having an intentional morning um, with some very specific things that I'd like to do before the rest of the house is awake. I'm not there yet. I'm working towards it. It's been one of the hardest habits for me to build and do. I just have such a hard time waking up. And so I'm slowly working towards going to bed a bit earlier. Uh, And right now I rely on the night as kind of that decompression time where I'm not actually necessarily working or doing chores or engaged with people. Um, And so it's kind of like I'm resisting sleeping because I'm enjoying the time that you don't get. So I have to shift so I can enjoy that in the morning and I'm doing it slowly, but it's, I'm really struggling. It hasn't been easy. 
Um, but how you start your day really matters. And one of the things that I said to the manifest with the stars group when they started is that be very mindful and even consciously choose to say even the word rise, because it's a high vibrational word when you wake up and as you're resisting waking up, try not to lean into that resistance, but instead intentionally choose that today is going to be a great day because when you wake up and you get out of bed on the wrong side of the bed, we all know it affects the rest of our day. And so where at all possible, you can take the time at the beginning of the day to choose that it's going to be a great day and to be really clear. And this is a practice that I do every day. I dump everything in my head into a mind map or a list and it's with it's free flow for me getting everything that I might be worried about or thinking about or have to do out on a piece of paper is really helpful because then I can see it and I don't have to carry it it's out of my mind and then I look at my time the things that I already have scheduled that I have commitments for and I start to systematically structure my day That doesn't mean that my day always goes accordingly to plan. It doesn't mean that my estimate for time isn't accurate and I adjust as I need to, but it gives me the mental space about worrying it it, away. It takes it away. And so then I'll look at, okay, this is what I want to do here. I'm going to do this thing there. And I slot it into my day and it creates so much freedom for me because I know what I'm doing. I feel good because I know that the things that are important for me, I've already considered I'm being intentional about getting them done. And I'm so much more productive on the weekends. I don't do this all the time and that's okay, but there are days I don't that I can just kind of feel like I'm in a bit of a funk and I'm not really sure what to do next. I'm wasting all this energy trying to decide. And for me, it's the lack of intentionality that's getting to me and I recognize the pattern. And so wherever possible, when you know what you're going to do, it's just so much easier. There's so much clarity, even simple things like I'm going to start cooking at four. I've decided I'm going to make a chicken dish, which means that I'm going to be conscious to take the chicken out this morning. And so that's just being intentional at the start of the day. And you've taken the mental load of figuring that out later or being in a rush. So It's all of those little things that make a massive difference. The other thing that I am conscious of in my week is that I need to exercise at least five times a week, and I probably need to be in nature for a portion of those. And so I make sure that I have found time, and if it isn't easy or it's, you know, I'm worried about not spending time with the kids. I will negotiate or figure out how to balance and manage that ahead of time because I know for success in my personal life and in my personal well-being that I need to find the space. So I have created that as a priority. I have discussed it with my husband um, and I try to make sure that he also has the same space to go do the things that he needs to do and we support one another in that. And sometimes it means on the weekend. Right now I don't, but um, when it's not dark out uh, until 11. Maybe that's something I do first thing because it sets my day off. Great. The kids are kind of waking up slowly. It's not really taking necessarily quality time away from the family and the activities that we want to do. And it works for everyone. So figuring out what that looks like. I also start my day every single day with a green juice because I feel like the more that we can nourish our body, the more our body feels prepared to take on what it needs to. It's got energy. You're showing a loving action towards yourself. 
and it's really easy to do. You just buy the powder and mix it with water. And so that's been something that I've been doing for three or four years. And, you know, even camping this past weekend, it's really easy to bring my powder. Um, and that has been very helpful. I also feel like I have so much energy for the day. And I find when you're trying to eat well, there's nothing better to set you up for success than starting immediately. When you get off track, it gets a lot harder to get back on track. So if you make it really easy for yourself every day, then that is a wonderful way to be more likely to guarantee success. In the evenings, I have now started to incorporate an ice bath. This is something that is not everybody's cup of tea, I recognize. Um, But for me, it is about doing something that's uncomfortable because I think for everybody, it is important to push ourselves through resistance to build that muscle of resiliency, particularly when the rest of the world feels a little bit out of control, to do things to feel like you have control and the capacity to step in to discomfort and come out the other side gives you a sense of tremendous power like and I I don't mean power in a negative sense I mean it in terms of recognizing your own power your own resiliency your own inner strength is probably a better word so when the rest of the things are happening around us there's a sense of internal control and what that thing that might be a little discomfort undiscomfortable no uncomfortable for you cause discomfort might be different for me because I know of the benefits related to ice bath, um, you know, there's several immune benefits, there's metabolic benefits, but in particular, there are benefits that I care about related to mental health, you know, reducing anxiety, improving, uh, and depression. Not that I feel that I'm have those, but I think all of us are on that spectrum and whatever we can do to, improve those things. And certainly there are days where I feel more anxious or more depressed or more impacted by what's happening around us. The more that I can take steps to control that for myself, the more inner strength I'm creating, the more resiliency I'm creating. And so I consciously carve out opportunity to create resiliency, to step into discomfort. And I'm becoming very consistent. I was doing them kind of intermittently, but I'm doing them consistently. And the beautiful thing is my boys have actually started and to want to do it as well. And I'm so proud of them for wanting to try hard things and being capable of doing something that is hard. And so that wasn't my intention. I didn't expect it, but I was really um, surprised and happy to see them do that. Um, and then mindfulness, I think all of us have heard this, this is not mine. This is like the rest of the world saying this, but even if it's two minutes and for me, I don't know what it is, but I have a block about sitting up straight. So I actually lay down to meditate because I can find a deeper state of relaxation and I can get out of my head more. There's something about sitting and being so aware of my posture that takes it, um, takes my brain away from the ability to focus, that that is just a small hack that I've shared. And when they say in the guided meditation, sit up straight, I just ignore it and enjoy my bed. I get really comfortable and then I meditate. Um, So I think those are kind of 
the main things that I do. Um, I also, you know, I am going to have a financial expert on and I create space, uh, to manage finances. We'll get into that more, um, when we have the expert on, uh, to talk about how I do that, because I think that creates a lot of, um, distress and causes a lot of mental overwhelm for people. Uh, so I think that's a discussion topic that deserves its own podcast. But again, I just to note that I create space to focus on and intentionally step into and consider what I want, what I need to do, all of those sorts of things every week. And my personality when it comes to finance is that I would rather honestly avoid it, which is all the more reason that I need to do it. And so I do. And I have created systems and structures so that um, it's become easier and things are automatic. But again, we'll get into that in another podcast. I think that's about all I can share today. I hope you're not leaving this episode thinking that I am the most neurotic person (laughs) you've ever listened to. If any of this was helpful, please let me know uh, if you'd like some more details. I'm happy to share. And again, I just want to restate that I am not sharing any of this to think that I have it figured out because there is no part of me that thinks that I do. In fact, I am perpetually working to figure it out just like the rest of us. And sometimes it's honestly like throwing a noodle at a wall because you just have to try something. And that's where all of this started. It's not like I had the perfect thing or I know the perfect thing, but I think the point is if you want it to be better, you just have to try something. Then you see if the noodle sticks, you throw it at the wall, you see if it sticks, if it doesn't stick, you adjust, you throw it again, and you just start consciously and intentionally making these small micro improvements. You don't do it all at once. And before you know it, these things that are overwhelming you start to become automated and so much easier. So I hope that there is something in here that provides even a little bit of help so that you can create more time freedom, more emotional freedom, um, and to live a little bit more intentionally. Thank you as always for taking one of your most valuable commodities, your time and spending it here with me today. As always, I hope you're flourishing lately. Let it shine, let it shine